0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.
1: Some days you wake up and you think to yourself, today is going to be a great day. And then other days you wake up and you think like, this is not a good start to my great day or my hopefully great day. So I have to tell you, you know, I, I keep talking about this, and you would think I would have learned my lesson by now, but I simply do not rebound like I used to from cross country travel, particularly from uh, these uh, red eyes. Growing old is like the best kept secret. My mother made it look really easy until she hit 80 and then she kinda like hit a brick wall, but she never made uh, you know aging look particularly hard for me. And so I, I am just, there's so many little things. It's not like I'm an unhealthy person. I'm actually a very healthy person. I'm very active. Uh, my mind is very active. I take care of myself physically. I eat well, I walk, all the rest of it. But I'll tell you, there's just like your parts wear out. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. Like if you have an old sewing machine, you know eventually you're gonna need to get it fixed because the part, some part is gonna wear out. And so my, my, uh, my sewing machine body, this, it, this just doesn't rebound the way it used to. So I did not have a restful weekend Probably if I do schedule one of these overnight trips back, I have to make sure that, you know, within a few days, I'm going to get some catch up. But instead, it was like my weekend was filled from 6 a.m. on Saturday until 11 p.m. on Sunday, which means no rest for the weary. So this morning, you know, my usual 515 uh, wake up call, I completely disregarded it. And then when my 5:45 uh, prayer line call came in, I d- grabbed it, and everybody was making fun of me because I was asleep, and I'm not normally asleep. So it was like I said, "Uh-oh, this is not a great start to my day. How am I gonna How am I gonna deal with this? Because I can either get very frustrated and start stomping around, or I can uh, sort of give in to the physical necessity of rest." And that's what I did. I, I, I did the prayer line, and then I curled up on the couch so that I wouldn't disturb my husband with a nice, uh, smooth, cushy blanket that a friend had given him for Christmas. And, and that was it. I slept until 7.30, and now I'm okay. You know, I, It's like I had to restart my day. And I forget that I actually have the ability to do that at any time. So I strongly suggest if you wake up and you find that, uh, you know, it's just uh, not, things are not starting out the way you wanted them to, just uh, go back to sleep, you'll be fine. <laughs> That's exactly what I had to do today. And I think everything's gonna be all right. Cause you see, Monday is like my busiest work day of the week. First and foremost, I have to compile all of the information that came in over the weekend. Cause I, I do not spend my entire weekend uh, thinking about or discussing politics. I just don't. You know, I, I need a break. Uh, I can't ignore it, but I don't stay deep dive like I am you know, every other day. So uh, Monday's a busy day for me. I get up, I gotta put all that stuff together, and I record my podcast, my No Restraint podcast on Monday, and I try to get all of this done before noon when I come on the air. So it's a busy, busy morning, and I must admit, that um I did I did all right today, you know, in spite of the fact that I was you know kind of planning on failure didn't happen, so uh, I say all that to say this: I am very grateful for what good health I have and for what strength I have, but um I have to be mindful I really do that i'm not I'm not a I hate to use, like, colloquialism, like a spring chicken, but I'm not. You know, things are different, and I have to behave differently. I have to allow myself time to recover and all the rest of it, and so do you. I guess that's my message is uh, don't think that just because you feel pretty good, you can do everything you used to do, because I can't. Um... So many stories that I don't even where, know where to begin. You know, after all this controversy of don't say gay and who is gay and uh, all this nonsense and uh, transgender this and LGBTQ, LMNOP, mean, I don't even know what half of those letters stand for. After all that, and after the beating that uh, Disney World took over, you know, trying to fight with uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, gay, gay days are going on in Orlando right now. Because I remember the first annual Gay Day or whatever it was. Uh, it's been going on for years. I was on the air in, uh, in this market and they had this massive, uh, I, I, that's what they call it, Gay Day. And Disney was welcoming everybody, LGBTQ families and the whole nine yards. And I remember the big controversy wasn't about them having the day the controversy was nobody told families that they were going to have the day and so a lot of families were very upset that they show up at disney world for the first time with their three-year-olds and eight-year-olds and ten-year-olds and there's a lot of you know same-sex couples on rides and being couples you know and now parents are forced to not only explain that uh you know that dumbo is a fictional character but also that uh those two guys who are kissing on It's a Small World are, you know, just guys. And and that was the big controversy. But that's over. You know, there's nobody now who hasn't had some kind of conversation about this, even with little kids. Um, it may not be uh, the same in every family. I'm sure it's not. But it's 30 years now that, that they've been having these gay days. And I guess... You know, and by the way, let me be clear. Disney doesn't actually sponsor this event, or at least they never used to. What they do is they allow it. And and how could they stop it? I mean, you can't tell people, you know, who decide. Like, if they decide to make, uh, if all the goth people in the country, do they still have goth people? I'll have to go to the... Uh, the thing they do at the park where everybody dresses up like, uh, you know, Renaissance characters. But um, if all the goth people in the country suddenly say, hey, we're going to go to Disney on, you know, uh, July 5th, Disney's not going to say, no, you can't come. Now, I presume they might have uh, a problem if, uh, you know, the Nazi party decided they were going to have Nazi Day. Um but even that, I mean, how do you how do you stop people? How, how do you have an open park, which is supposed to be embracing everyone, and say, no, you can't come on this given day when everyone has decided they can? I mean, if you don't want to go to Disney because they have this day where gay people are very visible, then you personally boycott it, that's all. I, I, I'm not into this, uh, um, we have to have, corporations responding in either way they don't have to make a big deal about it and they don't have to dismiss it they just have to do business that's all and business is what business is you want as many people as possible which is why i look at things like target deciding to put you know all this lgbtq plus uh you know clothing line for children out there thinking that that was going to fly no that didn't fly and there was a lot of uh pushback by parents and any more than Budweiser, which is a, a brand that's pre- predominantly marketed to young males and particularly young males who go to sporting events or, or are involved in sports themselves. Did they really think Dylan Mulvaney was going to be a good spokesperson for their brand? I mean, some of the stuff is just plain stupid and you have to look at these corporations and say, why would you do that? You know, what, what sense does that make? because it doesn't. And I get that, you know. I, I, uh, I understand that people have, you know, suddenly decided that boycotting and protesting is a very viable way to get your way. And not only have they figured that out, but they've taken it to the umpteenth level. And again, because I earn my living in a venue where advertising is very important, I am very reluctant, I never call for, you know, these kinds of boycotts. If I participate them in in them, I will tell you about it. But I never say, oh, it's time we have to push back, uh, unless it's against the government. I'm I'm a firm believer that pushing back and redressing your grievances to the government is a noble aspiration, um, and that I will continue to feel that way. But all of these, you know, boycotts. At some point, you have to ask yourself, look. I was not happy when all these major league sports teams were taking knees and not respecting the flag and talking about America in very unflattering terms. So I stopped watching. End of story. I wasn't the only person who stopped watching because there were a lot of reversals of some of those policies, but not all of them. You got to know who your market is. So if you're, uh, you know, if you're the leader of the National Basketball Association and your guys want to wear Black Lives Matter t-shirts and your guys want to have Black Lives Matter painted on the courts, you're probably not, not going to dissuade a lot of your fans from going. You're just not. So I, I don't think, first and foremost, obviously there's not a ton of racists who watch NBA basketball because it's, it's very lopsided in terms of who plays, right? And by the way, so proud of the heat, even though it was just, uh, to, <laughs> again, uh, you know, this is a real series again. And uh, and and I was uh, re- refrained from watching a lot of NBA because I just personally didn't like all those slogans being on the courts and all those people, uh, you know, saying nasty things about America, the land that affords them $20 million contracts and stuff. So I didn't, but, you know, that subsided, and I'm... Watching the finals, I've been watching them since uh, they started. I actually watch a little bit of basketball during the rest of the year. Uh, I must admit, you know, I don't hide what I do. But boy, I'll tell you what, I am, I'm happy. Basketball has always been my favorite sport to watch. And the fact that I had to uh, limit my watch, actually do away with my watching, was painful for me you know, let's go Heat. That's all I can say. I mean, it was rough for me having to watch the uh the uh Heat versus the Knicks, but it's uh now great fun watching the Heat versus the Nuggets. Nuggets are a great team though, you gotta admit, you know. Uh, I guess I didn't watch a lot of Nuggets um during the course of the year. So it's been a, gr- a great deal of fun watching them play. Great, great, great clubs playing great basketball. Um, anyway, I, I, I'm going to take a break. We, I do have a guest coming on. A guest has been on my show before. She's a local activist and she does some incredible work. And uh, she wrote to me about two or three weeks ago and said, you know, I, I really need to talk to the people, particularly the people here in in your listening audience, about some pressing issues that are going on in our community, and I always, uh, you know, Gloria's a real trooper, a real hard worker, so I always do invite her, she'll be on at 1230. But for now, don't forget to check out the app, the 850 WFTL app, that way you can listen to my podcast as soon as it's downloaded, you can listen to my shows after they're downloaded each day, and of course you get all the breaking news and everybody else's podcasts, Cool Dad Rules, all of them. Uh, the UFO one that uh, that Diener does, that Stephen Diener does, which is like number one, I think in Hubbard. Um, so you should have the app or visit the website 850wftl.com. I'll be right back.
0: Hi everybody, this is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that
1: shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Album, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So back to the economy, because uh, no matter what, it's still what moves so many parts of our government. And last week they were talking about how they added significantly more jobs than they had anticipated in the month of May. But there's some key data in that jobs report that I was looking at on late Friday after my show. And while they added uh, almost 340,000 jobs in non-farm payroll employment, um, which is of course the the survey that the establishment uses to collect data from non-agricultural businesses, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And so the the household survey revealed that the economy is headed in a terrible direction. And this is according to all the experts that I'm reading all all, of Saturday and Sunday. I'm reading, I know I said I don't do much news, but I have to do some deep dives. And I'm reading all this information. The headline jobs number may have blown away the expectations, but that's not the whole story. The report, um, you know, is viewed holistically, instead of cherry picking, uh, you know, one single data point. And it shows quite clearly that we're headed towards a recession. The number of Americans w- who are working multiple jobs went up. And the unincorporated self-employment went down. So when people move from working for themselves to working for a business, or when they take a second or a third job, that increases the payrolls, the non-farm payrolls, even though the actual number of people working doesn't change. It doesn't count any duplication of individuals because they're only counted one time. It doesn't matter how many jobs they have. So it's actually the opposite, and we actually lost jobs. Um, one of the uh, economists that I was reading, E.J. Ant- uh he said there's actually a loss of 310,000 jobs. It showed a drop of 23,000 full-time jobs, and that part-time jobs plummeted, by 220,000. And that's according to household data. And I just look around, you know, a lot of what I do is anecdotal, because I'm part of a community. And if I want to be on a market in a particular community, which I am, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, speaking primarily to people outside of South Florida. There are people who listen all over the country. I do a lot of national politics. A lot of people are interested. A lot of people in Europe, in uh, New Zealand, in Israel, uh, people in South America, people from coast to coast may listen to the program, but I am predominantly plugged in to South Florida. That's where I live and that's what I understand. And so I can tell you right now, I go to stores um, in my community let's say Broward Palm Beach are the the heart, the hub of where I shop and and doctor's appointments and all the rest of it. And there may be signs in literally half of the places I enter that say Help Wanted. And and I'll ask because, you know, I'm trying to uh, gather information. I'll say, are you actually hiring or do you just leave that sign up? And by and large, employees will tell me, they're always hiring the turnover is enormous and I'm not just talking about retail outlets um I'm talking about jobs where people make a you know a decent living high end restaurant jobs uh uh jobs in um doctor's offices where you have personnel that's you know educated p a s and 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 nursing assistants and and even front desk people who are trained to do insurance and all the rest of it, and they're all hiring. And there's a constant you know, turnover in these kinds of jobs. And so I'm always wondering, how does that figure into these statistics that are being quoted all the time? Because if every time I walk into, and I'll just give you an, a classic example, if every time I walk into the Dollar Tree store that's closest to my home, And there must be five within, you know, a mile of my home. But every time I walk into the one that's closest to my home, A, you can barely walk down the aisles because there's just boxes and boxes of stuff that hasn't been unpacked, which tells me they don't have enough personnel to even get stuff on the shelves, right? People are pulling stuff out of boxes. And then there's one cashier, you know, in a store that's filled with people and got a line of seven or eight people, there's one cashier. And I've always talked about how you can tell where the economy is at by going into a Dollar Tree, which used to be a dollar, everything was a dollar, now everything is a dollar and a quarter. But if you walk into a store like that and you see a number of people buying groceries in those stores, the economy's in trouble. Because granted, there are some supermarkets that are way more expensive than others, but there are the big box stores And they've held the price somewhat reasonably on groceries. And families that have, you know, incomes are shopping there. But families that are struggling are back to shopping at big lots and and save a lot and and the Dollar Tree. And I watch these things carefully. I asked a cashier in there on the weekend. I said you always have a help wanted sign up there. And she goes, we always need help. And I said, well, you know, do you hire just about anybody who applies for the job? I mean, because I know people who are out of work and tell me they can't find a job. And she said, as long as they don't have a criminal background, man, they're going to hire them and put them to work. And then they'll last about a month, she said. (laughs) Um, Because it's, you know, it's, it's a thankless kind of minimum wage job. I get that and people continue to look for work while they're working in those jobs, but I don't even see young people in there. Here it is this summer, and my 16-year-old grandson is applying for a job, but today he has to go for his, uh, you know, his final part of this uh, employment procedure. He's actually applying through the Boys and Gr- Girls Club that he's been a member of since he was a little kid, goes there for an after-school program even now, and he's got to go for a drug test today. So, you know, thank God I have a grandson who, you know, never had, doesn't even drink soda. The kid only drinks water, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, he's fearless. He'll go for this drug test. And they're going to put him in a construction uh, apprenticeship kind of program. And I'm grateful for that. But even he, when I would say, go and, you know, apply for a job here, bag and groceries at Publix or go to this uh, Dollar Tree. And uh, I don't like that. You know, I don't want to do that. You know, whatever happened to, I'm a teenager, I'll take any job. You know, that's not, not uh, it's not the mentality or the mindset at all. And so it's, uh, there's a cavalcade of problems that come along with this, including a great, a great level of homelessness, which is what I'm going to be talking about with my friend Gloria Lewis in uh, the next segment of the show. Um, there is a disturbing level of homelessness and a lot of reasons for it. So uh, you know, let's let's talk to somebody who's out there in the streets dealing with it today in our community, and see uh, you know what suggestions come out of the grassroots because the government obviously can't figure this stuff out. You know, they're having a really tough time. They just poured millions of dollars into homelessness in the state of California where it is rampant, right? And I did tell you I saw a mild improvement in Los Angeles when I was there. They seemed to have been able to cordon off particular areas for homelessness. And I was all like happy about that until some homeless woman uh, set up camp in the driveway of my son's home in this very, very ritzy neighborhood in Los Angeles. So apparently, uh, you know, I just wasn't looking in the right areas. Uh, the homelessness has now moved out from under the bridges into middle-class and upper-class family neighborhoods. Anyway, um, let me take a quick break, and when, I'm ba- when I come back, I'll be speaking with my friend Gloria Lewis, and uh, she has been feeding homeless people in Broward County forever, for a, oh, a decade or longer. So stay right where you are. Uh, okay, and welcome back. You know, over the years, I've met a lot of people who are, talk the talk, but very few who walk the walk. And one of the people I have met over the years who walks the walk is my friend, Gloria Lewis. And she has been literally feeding homeless people. And I'm not just talking about throwing out a bag full of crackers to people, cooking full course meals and serving them along with a uh, you know a, a service, a, a religious service for, how long you've been doing this, Gloria?
0: Over 11 years.
1: Yeah, I said it was over a decade. I wasn't quite sure how much. And, and you know, through these over years. Over
0: 240,000 meals and counting. Wow.
1: 240,
0: and over... Yeah, 240,000 meals and counting. I give up counting anymore.
1: Yeah, and it's basically just you and your family doing this, your husband, your kids. Yeah, me
0: and, yeah. And I have a couple of people that were homeless mm-hmm. that volunteered with me on the streets. I have, like, a six people not volunteer on the streets when it's time to serve the food.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And well, thank God for a few conservative donors that have kept this thing going because it cost, it cost about... Before inflation, it used to cost about $1,000 a week. Now it's costing over $1,400, $1, dollars a week.
1: Wow. Yeah. Now, you know, one now of the things I, I wanted to uh, talk you, to you about... You go wait. ahead. You it, okay. One of the things I want to talk to you about is the fact that you have some great ideas which you're willing to share with any politician. You've written over 40 letters to 25 uh, elected representatives pleading with them uh, on how they could fix some of these entitlement programs. Have you ever gotten an answer back from any of them?
0: No. And Joyce, first, uh, my sister, I want to thank you for walking the walk and not talking the talk. Mm. Because one of the biggest problems that we need to address before we can even get to the root of the problem is classism. And a lot of people don't even know what the word classism means. I've been fortunate to speak to a a philosophy professor who have actually just re-edited my book, and she has got me in to speak to A couple of economic classes at a a college in Wisconsin about classism, inequality, racism, the whole nine yards, and how it tied in. And then I speak to the kids, they were like, wow, They, they don't even understand. You have walked the walk the way God called us to walk the walk, which is to not judge and and to be, you know, everything with it eve- evenly, you know, judge a person according to their charter rather than according to their, their money, their status, their title. So first, I want to thank you for that, because I've written to so many people and, and including all the liberal pu- public figures. I put a a letter in Shaquille O'Neal, which is a big NBA player. I directly put a letter in his hand over 20 years ago, pleading for him to use his position to make a difference before we get to this point. The only person that has given me the opportunity, other than the professor, is you. And I wrote you an email, and right there, not only did you give me an opportunity to speak, You sent your husband to the street to minister with us, to serve the homeless with us, and to see what's going on. And I sent you another email, and just like that, because it's going to take everyone doing their part and everyone's perspective in order to fix this mess that we're in. But unfortunately, classism does not allow people like me an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now, you... Are how we supposed to walk racism out? I met President Obama in 2012. I was standing side by side with President Obama, and I sent seven certified letters to the Obama administration, pleading to do something about this, pleading to help the people off the ground to fix the entitlement program before we got here. President Obama speak to one person in the building, and that was a big-time NBA player by the name of Bill Russell. I was sitting side-by-side with Bill Russell, and the Mm -hmm. only person that mattered in the building was Big Bill Russell. That's where racism comes, and we will never fix racism. We will never fix entitlement. We will never fix anything until we include Everybody in this conversation, instead of talking about the problem, how about you come and speak to some of the people that are in the problem, and speak to people that are fighting to fix the problem, and give everyone a seat on the table.
1: Yeah, no, no question about gotta it. bring
0: the kids? But when you're getting one perspective, and you you have a person like me that tries so hard, but God is so good that there's a few conservative people that know that I, I don't want anything from this. All I want is to see people be able to go do a job, a little job, and take care of themselves. People don't want handouts, but the system has forced people into handouts. When a mom cannot get help, when yeah. a mom cannot get help unless she says that the father is out of the home, you destroy that family. When people have to lie and cheat the system because nobody is addressed in these situations, and then we pay for mental health, and then we pay for homes, and then we pay for child support and all of this, we can fix the problem if we can just get to the root of the problem, mm-hmm. which comes back to honesty, integrity, Character, morals, and getting up and doing your best. And the government is not the first response. The government is the last response when you have tried and God has given you strength and you have tried and you can make it. Then the Mm -hmm. government. But now we got this thing where the government is the first response. There's no family, there's no morals, there's no respect, there's no go and do the little jobs. And so we got a mess that is causing billions of dollars, and and destroying public night, and nobody want to impress it.
1: Yeah. No, I know you wrote to me and you told me that, you know, that some of these entitlement programs, um, they actually destroy... The community, you know, you talked about an able-bodied man who's been getting a disability check from the time he was a a child, and now he's 40 years old. And and these things happen all the time. I see this in the system because there's no monitoring.
0: But not only there's no monitor, if that man go back and do a re-evaluation, before he gets on his feet, they pull all his benefits. So they, to be, they, they need to prorate the system. They need to give people an opportunity to get on their feet before they pull everything. Okay, we'll take away the food stamps, but we'll let you keep your housing until you can afford your housing or until we come up with a solution for affordable housing. But so many people are scared to even try because mm. they know they can't make it and the system take away everything. So if I go to work and I make too much money... You take away my benefits, but I can't pay my rent. do they mm. say, well, take away the food stamps, we'll pay the rent. No, they pull everything. I got people pleading to get off the system. Mm. But they say, well, I can't pay my rent, so what do you want me to do? And I'm right. saying to the government, there is a better way. You're saying that there is no money, there is money. We just got to reshuffle the way we spend this money. And right. you've got to deal with people like me who say... There are, there's different categories of people. There's different categories of what's going on here. You've got to be able to have a person on the ground that I can that identify who needs mental health, who needs help, or who wants a handout. The people that want a handout, you go first. Yes, mm-hmm. there's drug addictions. Yes, there's uh, uh, mental health. But homelessness creates mental health. Mental health is not created the other way around. After you've been in the street for so long, it creates mental health. Now the government is going to pay your way. It's going to give you food stamps. It's going to pay for your medical. It's going to pay for your housing. Your life is done. Now the government going to take care of you for the rest of your life. And if you got five kids, we're going to take care of them too. So one family can cost the taxpayers over a half a million dollars one family rather than us come up with a solution for affordable housing we directly spend the money
1: yeah no question about it and look as i said before The fact that you have laid out some very good ideas for uh, elected representatives over the years and never even gotten the courtesy of an invitation to talk about these things frustrates me. And, you know, that's why I continue to work and do the things that I do, because it's the people on on the street level, the people like you, who are making any difference at all. Um, But if we don't get a government that responds to the need, then you're right. I think you said in your email, stop talking about socialism. It's already here. We just call it entitlement.
0: It is here. Mm -hmm. It is here. When you got a family and you tell them, don't go to work, we're going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. And you got a whole family on entitlement. And this has been going on for generations and generations and generations. And And they don't even know now this is their real life. So when they try they're scared because mm-hmm. they're so in a comfort zone. It's like an addiction. I'm used mm-hmm. to this. I don't want to try anything else because I know where I'm at. I know how this feels. I know how this works. But if I go and I feel and now we the people that get up and go to work, we don't help them. Mm-hmm. But we help the ones that don't go to work. A mom that goes to work, she can't get and get daycare because she makes so much money. But the ones that don't go to work get daycare. Why are you paying for daycare for a person that doesn't work? Yeah. But then the person that go to work, you don't give them any help. Yeah.
1: No. It's a just person it...
0: that goes to work, it says, give me some food stuff. You don't give it to them. But a the person that don't go to work, you give them anything. Where is the incentive to go to work? Why yeah. am I even going to work? I've been working right. thirty four years in America. I go mm. to work. It doesn't matter what I do. I clean toilet bowls. God say you don't work, you don't eat. I and mean, when you go to work, it gives you a sense of purpose. It makes you feel good. That doesn't matter how little bit the money is. It is yours. You work for it. You get to dictate your life, not the government dictating your life. Mm-hmm. And this is what entitlement does, which is what what America calls socialism. Is really modern day way of life in America. This is not the America that I came to where there was opportunity, where you work hard, you elevate yourself. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know, uh, and, and I blame this on people that say that they're Christian, that if they, they would step and take their position, we are the light, we are the salt. If we would take our place and know that the help is not going to come from the government, it's going to come from God and the people. We, the people, God first. That's where the help is going to come from. And if we wait on government, guess what? Ain't nothing going to change. It is not going to change. And my warning for people is that if you hear this message and you're in a position to make a difference, and if you have a position that you can get me to the person or somebody in the media that really wants to make a difference, so this country is getting ready to fall and not only this country because people don't go to China for jobs they come to America for jobs and nice. they send money home to their families overseas. Mm-hmm. So when the money stops coming, guess what? All of those com- little islands and little countries are going to fall. So this is not just an American problem. This is a national problem.
1: Yeah. How can people get, t- uh, get a hold of you, Gloria?
0: My phone number is 954- Seven three two nine two three eight, or my website is careinactionusa.com.org.
1: All right, I'm going to make sure that I have that available for people who want to. And as always, I thank you for the hard work that you do, and just keep me in the loop so I know what's going on. All right? I will keep you in the
0: loop, sister. I pray that God open up major doors for you that you two can elevate and we can. In in Christ, we can do this together and make a difference in this world because the world needs God more yes. than anything else right now.
1: And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Gloria. I appreciate your time. No,
0: thank you, sister. God uh, bless you. I say God hi bless. to your
1: husband. I sure will. And your husband too. All right. Um, okay. that's, uh, that, that That's what happens when people actually do what they say they're going to do. They continue to do it even when it's like banging your head against the wall. So if anybody needs the information, wants to get a hold of Gloria, please uh, just email me at joyceradio at gmail.com. I just got an email when I was saying that people listen to me all over the world. I I actually got an email from someone who said, I'm listening in Southern Tuscany, Italy. Thank you, Manciano, for... uh, Sending me that email. Let me take a break. I mean, don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock is Dan Bongino. At 2, 4 o'clock, rather, is Ben Shapiro. At 5 o'clock, Matt Walsh. At 6 o'clock, the WPTV uh, News Report. And then all the madness of the evening hours. And tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back. So for right now, I have one segment left. Stay right where you are. I already got some people looking for contact information. I'm always grateful for those of you who pay attention and pay, paying attention is what it all boils down to. So, you know, it, it, June is uh, Pride Month, as we've been reminded, like ad nauseam. Um, <laughs> and and I, I just, I don't know. A lot, there's a lot of controversy right now. A federal judge just struck down a Tennessee law that placed strict limits on sexually explicit drag shows um, that children could view. Uh, last Friday, this federal judge struck down the Adult Entertainment Act, which was signed into law by the governor, Bill Lee, back in March. The decision was made after LGBT groups sued the state over the, quote, anti-drag law. The measure doesn't explicitly mention drag shows, but it for bids, adult cabaret, and other sexually explicit performances that include male or female impersonators on public property or anywhere children might be able to view it. Those in violation of the law would be charged with a misdemeanor for their first offense and a felony for any subsequent offenses. According to Judge Thomas Parker, who was a Trump appointee, the law was unconstitutionally vague and substantially overbroad and would result in discriminatory enforcement. Although Parker conceded that obscenity is not protected under the First Amendment, he said that there is a difference between material that is obscene in the vernacular and material that is obscene under the law. So while the ruling technically only strikes the law down in Shelby County where the lawsuit was filed, it's going to be used in all these uh, legal challenges and it will end up applying to the entire state of Tennessee, I'm quite sure, and then to other states. You know, it's just, you know, Tennessee is a conservative state, but just last month, the Los Angeles Public School District, which is, I think, the, the second largest in the, in the country, with us being first, uh, announced an assembly commemorating Pride Month For all students K through 12, the assembly would include a celebration of different gender identities and the reading of The Great Big Book of Families, which is a pro-LGBT children's book. So people got pretty outraged about that. Um, Most notably, the people at the Sadekoy Elementary School in North Hollywood According to the school district in May, a teacher's LGBT pride flag was found burned in what they called a hate crime, which is under investigation. See, it's not a hate crime if you burn an American flag, right? That's freedom of speech. But if you burn a pride flag, that is a hate crime. Can't make this stuff up. So 100 parents joined in protest against the assembly, donning shirts that said, Leave our kids alone, and parental rights matter. The demonstration started peacefully, but it turned violent after a few dozen counter-protesters, meaning the LGBTQ antifa crowd, arrived and attempted to block a number of parents from marching along the sidewalk. Punches were thrown, and police intervened. Why are these groups so uh, so violent? You know, the, these antifa-style, uh, you know, groups that are always looking to uh, just fight back against parents who want to protect their kids or governors who want to protect the kids. You just, I don't know. I don't know. These are troubled times. They really are. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then, of course, as always, may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow at noon.
0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.